There's something about walking together that seems to deepen a relationship, whether you're walking on the beach with your sweetie or you're strolling through the neighborhood with a good friend. Maybe you're just walking through the zoo with your child. Those are the conversations that we remember for a lifetime. I remember the conversation that I had with my grandfather when we were hunting squirrels. I don't remember how many squirrels we got that day. We got at least one because he ate it for lunch. I had a peanut butter sandwich. But I do remember our conversation, including the way he told me to listen for squirrels. If you're really, really quiet, and if you're in a place where it's really, really quiet, early in the morning, you can hear the squirrels chattering to each other. I still find myself early in the morning just listening to see if I can hear any squirrels talking. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the most important conversation you can have. The conversation you have as you walk with Jesus. We're going to discover ways that all of us can walk in the light of Christ. Now, to do that, we first have to learn how to walk together. This week, we're starting some new life groups, and they're going to be starting at the beginning, looking at some of the first steps of walking in the light of Christ. Out here in the hallway, there's a table. We've got a couple of groups that are starting, a couple more that are thinking about it. If you want to sign up for those, you can do that out here. We've got one group for women, and then we've got also a co-ed group that's beginning in the next couple of weeks, they're going to be looking at what it means to walk in the light of the Savior, and they're going to be looking at that within, in the context of some wonderful Christian books that have been written over the years, books like C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, Pilgrim's Progress, My Utmost for His Highest, and some other wonderful Christian books that will help us to focus on how we can walk in the life of Christ. If you're interested in being a part of one of those groups, again, you can sign up out there or you can go to our website. Uh, just click on Media and Life Groups and you can find the information about how you can be involved in that. This morning, we're going to take a look at how all of us can walk together. We don't do this alone. The Christian life was never intended to be lived in isolation. Now, nobody understood that better than, than John. We don't know all of the details about what happened, but we do know that because of his preaching about Christ, John was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. There alone separated from his family and friends, John understood the importance of Christian fellowship. We don't know the exact dating of, of this letter that we call 1 John. Uh, some believe that John wrote this letter in conjunction with his gospel. There are others that believe that this letter was written toward the very end of John's life. In fact, there are some who would argue that 1 John is one of the last writings to have been written that we have in the New Testament. Now, whatever the case, John understood how important it was for believers 
to walk in fellowship with each other. 1 John 1, 3 says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. John here writes in the third person, not because he's trying to have some fancy penmanship, but he does so to indicate the extent of the spread of the gospel. He and the other disciples had been faithfully sharing the teachings of Jesus. The book of Acts tells the story. Thousands had come to faith in Christ. Churches had begun to form throughout the Roman Empire. The gospel was spreading. The number of believers was growing. John was not alone. And the believers he was writing were not alone. Now, both of their circumstances from the outside seemed to be pretty bleak. John, exiled on the Isle of Patmos because of his belief, the believers to whom he's writing, they were facing similar kinds of persecution. But John wanted them to understand they did not face those difficulties alone. Here John emphasizes the importance of fellowship. The word means to share in common or to live in partnership. The Christian life is intended to be lived in fellowship. As one commentator puts it, the isolated Christian can never be a happy Christian. That's one of the things that makes church so important. We are created in such a way that we need each other. When God saw Adam alone, he immediately realized that's not good. So he created Eve in Genesis chapter 2. From the very beginning, we were created for fellowship. We have a God-given need to gather together, to worship God together, to support each other together, to pray for each other together. We are created for togetherness. We are created for fellowship. Have you ever wondered why we call it a pair of scissors? You only have one, but it's called a pair. Well, well, I discovered why when one day digging down in the bottom of my drawer looking for a pair of scissors, I found one that was broken in half, and I only found one side of it. I discovered half of a pair of scissors is worthless. It's too thick to be a good letter opener. It isn't sharp enough to be a knife. It's a terrible screwdriver, which I suspect is how I broke it in the first place. And it is of absolutely no use in cutting a piece of paper. The fact is, scissors only work together. If you don't have a pair of scissors, you don't have scissors at all. Folks, the Bible is very, very clear. 
we need each other. The Scripture says it in various ways over and over again. Just a few examples. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Matthew 18.20, Jesus said, For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. This is the idea behind our small groups, the life groups we have on Sunday morning, the Bible study classes we have meeting all through our church, and the life groups that we're trying to establish throughout the community. We want to help you form strong connections with other believers. We've tried to develop different life groups for different ages, different life situations, all kinds of combinations. Our life groups can be groups that you form yourself. In fact, that's what we're trying to do this month. We're encouraging some of you to take a little step of faith and form a group out of some of your friends, some of your acquaintances, some of your neighbors, some folks that you know. You can form a group that fits your life. The whole idea is to connect you with other believers so that you and they can grow together. The fact is, we can't do that by ourselves. The Apostle John couldn't. Paul couldn't. Peter couldn't. As you read their writings, they long for Christian fellowship. In fact, when Paul and John and others are separated from other believers because they've been imprisoned, or in John's case when he's been exiled, he writes longingly, wishing, hoping, praying that one day he will be reunited with other believers in worship. Folks, if they needed it, we do too. Help us help you get involved in a small group. But obviously, we're not just creating some support groups or some social clubs. There's more going on here than just being able to add to your contact list in your phone. Our fellowship with each other helps us to grow in our relationship with Jesus. Notice the circle that John draws in this passage. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. John's writing his teaching so that the fellowship with each other could increase. And that's what studying God's Word together does. It, it draws believers together. But again, our, our goal is not to form some kind of holy huddle. There's a far greater strategy here. Uh, listen to how John puts it. He says, our fellowship, and he's describing our fellowship as we gather together, as we study God's Word together, as we worship together. Our fellowship is with the Father. 
and with His Son, Jesus. That's our goal. That's why we come together. It's why we fellowship with each other. It's why we support each other. It's why we study God's Word together. Because we all share this one common goal. We want to know God more. Note the emphasis that John gives to a personal experience here. We are working together because despite the different backgrounds we might have, the different opinions we might have, the different experiences we might have, all of us share this deep seated need for a personal, growing relationship with Jesus. And in our sharing with each other, as we work together to build each other up in the Lord, something amazing happens. Look how John ends that verse. Our joy becomes complete. Now it's great when all the pieces fall together. When you put that last piece of the jigsaw puzzle, when that recipe comes out of the oven tasting and looking just like it did in the photo in the cookbook, when we get the keys to that new car, there's just nothing like that feeling of completion. It's all fallen together. John here knew the salvation that only Jesus could provide. He, he knew he was going to heaven. And this late in his life, he could look back and, and point to a string of accomplishments. He, he'd been a disciple. He'd been one of Jesus' inner circle. He was a respected leader in the church. He wrote a gospel. And then he also wrote a book of Powerful prophecy. But where does he find his joy? In his resume of accomplishments? No. John finds his joy in watching other believers grow. Where do you find your joy? What floats your boat in life? What's your goal? Where do you want your life to be? Now, we can pick a lot of things that sound really good. Uh, seeking to reach the pinnacle of whatever profession we're in. Buying that dream home. Being a part of the in crowd. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those. But where the problem is, is when those things become the ultimate goal. You'll be like the millionaire who's constantly on a search on how he's going to make his next million. John's goal was different. He wanted fellowship with Jesus. More than anything else, he wanted to know Jesus more. And in his life, in all the experiences that he had had as a disciple, as a leader in the church, in all the other things that John had done in all of his writings, he had come to discover the way to grow in his fellowship with Jesus was to grow in his fellowship with other believers. 
That's what made his joy complete. What's your goal today? National Heights has a very simple goal. We express it with three phrases. To love God, to love people, and to grow together. It's because we recognize how vital those three things are for everyone. We all need to know God. And the only way to do that is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So in everything we do, in every service we have, in every Sunday school class we teach, in every ministry that we undertake, our goal is to point people to Jesus. To help them know how they can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We want to do that today for you too. If you're here this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, don't leave here before we have a chance to tell you. And we'll show you how you can do that here in just a minute. But that's the first thing. We want to point people to God. We love God. We also love people. We're glad you're here. We want you to bring a friend. We love people, and we want to show that love in, in a variety of ways. We do that through ministries that we have. We're collecting for Grand Oak Mission. We don't love the building, <laughs> Grand Oak Mission. We love the people that are served through that ministry, and we want to help them. We want to meet their need in a way that will help them know that God loves them too. And so we're collecting this month for Grand Oak Mission. We have our new blessing boxes. If you hadn't had a chance to drive by and look at the new one over by McDonald's, you need to do that. Uh, those are just doing tremendous ministry. They're, they're emptied out almost every day. And, and we're thrilled for that because we want people to know that we love them. We care about them. And by meeting a simple need, we're saying to them, hey, we love you and we'd like to tell you about a God who loves you too. Through our WMU, making the salvation bracelets and the quilts for uh, Folks to use through our Sunday school classes that take on a, a variety of different ministries from helping with the Pregnancy Care Center to helping with Isabel's house to, to Ronald McDonald House and others. Uh, from those of you who, who work and serve in a variety of ways, that's why we do it. We love God and we love people so much we want to serve people and point them to Jesus through doing tangible ministries that will help them see somebody cares. And then the third part of our goal, we want to grow together. Folks, none of us can do this alone. None of us has all of the gifts and all of the talents and all of the wisdom and all of the knowledge to go out there and win the world to Jesus. Nobody has that. We need each other. We all have gifts and talents that are special and unique to you. And as you combine those gifts and talents with another person's gifts and talents and those begin to work together, we can grow and flourish as a church. We can share Christ with our world. We can show the love of Christ to people who desperately need to know that love as we grow Together, And so we've created some mechanisms to do that, some ministries to help you to grow in fellowship with one another. That's what the Sunday school classes that we're going to have here in just a few minutes, part of their mission is to help you grow together. It's why we do pickleball and, and a number of other different ministries, because as people share in a, in a, 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 a 
game or, or in a talent or, or in a, a shared like that they have. They get together and form bonds together that can be used for the kingdom of God far beyond just playing a game of pickleball. That's why we do all of the things that we do. So that together we can combine all of our talents, all of the gifts that God has given us, and do great things for God. Not in our strength. We could never accomplish that. But together with Christ, we can do miraculous things. Because we serve a God who's in the miracle business. He's in the life transformation business. And you can be a part of that as we walk together. Heavenly Father, help us. It is very easy in life to get into a Lone Ranger mentality. To think that we don't need anybody. And God, that's never true. For one thing, we need you. And it is our fervent prayer this morning, if there's somebody here who doesn't know the Savior, that you'll help them to know right now how much you love them. And that they can be a part of your family this morning if simply by faith they'll trust in Jesus Christ. And God, as believers, help us to realize how much we need each other. And we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to always agree. We're not going to always have the same ideas. But God, we have the same goal. That is to love you, to glorify you. To lift up your name. To love the people you have created. And to grow together for your glory. So help us, Lord. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.